Welcome to the Boxing Fanatic Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Matias, and this is episode six of the podcast. I will be um, solo again today, um, so let's get right to it. Uh, this past Saturday night in Inglewood, California, we had Super, uh, the second installment of Superfly, uh, which was uh, put together by Tom Loeffler and his new promotional company, 360 uh, Promotions. So let's start off with the main event in uh, Suiza Kid Solmuvasai against Juan Francisco Estrada. It turned out to be as good as advertised. Um, Rungvasai came off two uh, two consecutive wins over uh, Roman Gonzalez, uh, handing Chocolatito his first two losses in his pro career and um, knocking him out brutally in the rematch in the fourth round in the first installment of Superfly. So now it was up to Rungvasai to prove to everybody that the first uh, the first fight against Rungvis, uh, against Gonzalez was uh, not just a fluke, and that he can continue his his winning streak after um, his knockout loss to to Gonzalez. Uh, some people didn't give Rungvasai uh, enough credit for that knockout. Uh, some people thought that maybe. Roman was probably um, just too small for the weight class or just simply done. Uh, but nevertheless, it was a, a strong victory for Rungvasai and um, wind up getting the nod against Juan Francisco Estrada. Uh, the scorecards read 117 to 111, 115 to 113 for Rungvasai and a 114-114 majority decision win for Sri Saket. I personally scored the fight 114 to 114. I thought it was it was a really close fight. I thought it could have gone either way, and I wouldn't have been so upset at seeing uh, Juan Francisco Estrada get the get the victory. Um, but it was clear in the first half of that fight that uh, Rumbasai was you know putting the pressure up against uh, Estrada. You know, he was bullying Estrada a bit at times in, in, during the fight. And, you know, he was landing the harder and telling telling punches uh, throughout the first half of the fight. You know, it was, um, it, it, it's it's what Rungvasai does best. You know, he comes forward and, and just tries to, you know, just outwork you and, and, and outland you throughout the fight. Um, but after the second half of the fight, you know, Rungvasai started slowing down and you can tell... There was more of a sense of uh, sense of urgency for Estrada. You know, he came um, known as a as more as a boxer puncher. You know, he stayed in the pocket, he stayed calm, uh, he stayed poised. And while Rumbasai uh, started to uh, decline uh, with his output, uh, Rumbasai, uh, I'm sorry, Estrada started to uh, pick apart Rumbasai, uh with his precision counters and uh, his uh, his combinations, which. Um, which evened up the narrow the scorecards a lot in in a lot of people's um in a lot of people's scorecards, 
the 117 to 111, the 93 rounds that was um, that was given to Rungvasai was extremely off. Hero Lelevin scored a 116 to 112 for for Rungvasai. Um, you know, I just I just couldn't see giving the fight more than seven rounds to either fighter. Um, you know, this is a, a a close competitive fight, and you know, um, a lot of people more. People did not had Sirsikit to Rungvasai winning the fight, which is totally fine. Uh, like I said, I scored the fight 114 to 114. I had the draw. Um, but most of the people that scored it for Rungvasai scored it pretty closely. Um, 7 to 5, uh, maybe 8 to 4, depending um, on how you scored in it and what you saw um, that you liked that Rungvasai did better than Estrada. Uh, either way, um, you know, Rungvasai gets another important victory in his resume and you know he's he definitely deserves to be in the talks and in the conversations um maybe top five definitely top 10 pound for pound list i myself personally don't do pound for pound lists you know i think there's just so many different uh variables that you have to consider and you have to uh take account in, in putting in pound for pound lists you know when, when i when i um rate fighters I, I rate them by you know their technique and their talents you know uh not necessarily you know on who they fought because you know more often than not less technically less that less technical fighters you know can have a can wind up having a better resume um compared to other more technically um advanced fighters in different weight classes and 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 those fighters would get the nod, you know, higher in some pound for pound lists, you know, due to the fact of, you know, the level of competition that they fought. So it's it's irrelevant really what where you have Rungvasai in and what position. Uh but I do think he deserves uh he deserves credit for um and it deserves to be mentioned in the top uh ten pound for pound list, no doubt. Tom Moffer made it um made it apparent that after the fight that he's going to um, make a rematch between Rugvasai and Estrada a priority for the third installment of Superfly, which I'm not opposed to. I'd like to see Rugvasai start, um, you know, unifying the, uh, the title, but a another fight between him and Estrada wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Uh, the, the 12th round certainly was a memorable round for both of them and for everyone else uh, that witnessed it. And I think it's, uh, even though this is um, only two months in into the year, uh, this is early consideration of round of the year so far between Rungvasai and Estrada. The punch stats had um, Rungvasai throwing uh, eight, 879 punches, landing 194 with a 22% connect per, uh, rate, courtesy of CompuBox, and Estrada landed... 189 punches through 671 with a 28% uh, rate, uh, connect uh, rate. So, Rungvasai did throw more. Uh, Estrada was, like I said, Estrada showed that he was uh, the more um, accurate puncher. Um, but Rungvasai, in, in, in the majority of those rounds, in my opinion, did land um, the more telling blows. Um, he was the one that pushed Estrada back with, with those punches. 
and his power and and, and there was a it was a it was pretty evident of the power difference between both of these two guys so I'm not sure when the third installment of Superfly will be uh, maybe it will be in the fall maybe sometime in August September probably uh, maybe before um, a Canelo fight or, or the next week after the Canelo fight which would be uh, a pretty smart logical thing to do uh, to help boost ratings so We'll see uh, how that plays out. The um, on the co-main event had Carlos Quadras and McWilliams Arroyo, um, and this was a fight that Carlos Quadras should have won and um, put together for for Carlos Quadras to to face a guy like McWilliams Arroyo, so that way he could look better and and bounce back after that uh, close Estrada fight that he had prior. Um, but he looked even worse than the Estrada fight. He looked um, he looked flat. Um, I personally had McWilliams Arroyo um, beating um, Rungvisai. I'm sorry, uh, beating Quadras seven rounds to three. Uh, you know, it's he, I mean Quadras just looked. You know, he just looked flat. Um, I thought McWilliams Arroyo. You know, landed, you know, the better punches. He was just, you know, outboxing Quadras. He was, you know, outworking him. Harold Letterman had it a draw. But th there was no way uh, you can score this fight for Carlos Quadras. Um, you know, he just looked flat. And this is his, you know, third loss in his past four fights. And, you know, losing to... Losing to... Um, Gonzalez and losing losing to Estrada is isn't anything to be shameful of, you know. Uh, he's you know Quadras has had a, a pretty good career so far, uh, but this third uh, this second consecutive loss, you know, to McWilliams Arroyo definitely will put a damper on on his things and what he plans on doing in the future. Now, you know, it, it, it's really going to be up to to Carlos Quadras to figure out what he's going to do and what what type of name he's going to be in the in the um in the division now you know it's you know he hired Abel Sanchez to be his his corner uh and to be in his corner and to be his trainer but you know it did, certainly didn't work out him having a pretty uh subpar performance against um McWilliams Arroyo so you know there's only so much a trainer could do with a fighter and you know, it's just a wait and see uh, type of thing for for Quadras. You know, if if his next fight he doesn't look too good, you know, he can be from he can go down to being one of the top you know super flyweight fighters to you know close to being irrelevant if he doesn't pick it up. So, you know, this loss was a was a pretty big hit to his career, and if he wants you know any shot or any crack at uh, a world title again, he's going to have to go back to the drawing board and you know, really figure things out in order to, um, in order to, to come back and, and compete to the highest level. The, the opening bout in the HBO card, uh, had Donnie Nietzsche's, um, knocking out his opponent, um, and he, he's calling out, you know, the best fighters, uh, in his division. Luis, uh, Neri recently knocked out, uh, Yamanaka, and this was earlier today in Japan. Um, Luis uh, Neri couldn't make weight 
uh, 118 pounds. He came five pounds overweight uh, in yesterday's um, weigh-in, and he had two hours to lose that weight, which everyone knew that was going to be highly unlikely. And he, you know, he he didn't look good. Um, he, he wasn't looking good. He lost maybe two pounds, weighed in 121 on the weigh-in. And Yamanaka, to his credit, you know, decided to keep the fight going, and. You know, it just it didn't end well for him. He he suffered a second round knockout and um, did not look good in that fight. And it looks like Yamanaka is probably close to retiring. Um, so um, Luis Neri had had the fight with Yamanaka not too long ago, and you know that fight was um, it was found out that Luis Neri had tested uh, positive for a banned substance, and uh, that's why this rematch was was ordered and, and it happened again. You know, whether he used, you know, those, whatever product he was using uh, to mask, um, you know, any type of advantage, you know, to try to make that weight. But it, it, it you know, he got caught and, and this time around, you know, he, he, so far we don't know that he was, um, that he was caught for anything this time around. But it, it definitely um, shows that he he's can't be going to the 118 pound class division anymore and he needs to move up and wait to 122 which was uh it's pretty um it's it's a shame because you know you have the Japanese fighter uh Nai Inui who could you know is is thinking about moving up to 118 and if he hasn't now he's you know done so already and in a way, and and Neri was a, was a possible fight that could have happened at 118, but that's certainly not looking like the case anymore. So that sums up pretty much the fights that happened this uh, this week. Let's uh, let's start previewing some of the fights that are coming up on Showtime. We have um, in the main event we have uh, Luis Ortiz taking on Deontay Wilder. This fight was originally supposed to happen in November of last year, but uh, Luis Ortiz was caught um, really by not disclosing, I believe, some type of um, medication pills that he um, that he wound up testing for, testing positive for, uh, that came back in that uh, he didn't disclose it in uh, the paperwork um, that he had for uh, that he was testing positive for, so. Deontay Wilder gave uh, to uh, to Luis uh, Luis Ortiz's credit. Deontay Wilder gave um, uh, another opportunity for Luis Ortiz to get this fight happening. Uh, so far, you know we're a couple days away from it, so it's looking like it's gonna happen. Um, I think Wilder will will win by unanimous decision. You know, I I think Ortiz at this point is is, is too old now. I don't think this is the same Luis Ortiz we're uh, we're gonna see when he dominated Brian Jennings a couple years back, and um, if if this fight would have happened a couple years prior, when we had a Luis Ortiz dominate Brian Jennings like this, um, it would have been closer to a 50-50 fight in my opinion, and I think you know Luis Ortiz would have had a really good shot at knocking out Deontay Wilder or beating him. You know Luis Ortiz has an incredible amateur background, uh, but he's you know he's he's 39 years old and you know he's close to 40, so it, it just doesn't seem logical to me that he's gonna uh, have anything left in the tank to 
um, to give Wilder, you know, any type of major problems. Now, I still think this is a tough fight for Deontay Wilder, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, you know, this, you know, Wilder's is coming in younger. He's, I think, 31, 32 years of age. You know, he still has explosive power. Um, and, you know, it, all it takes is, is one is one knockout punch, you know, to take everything out. Or, you know, one punch to make Luis Ortiz guess, you know, to to come forward and, and, and make this a competitive fight. You know, I... Deontay Wilder gets a lot of, you know, a lot of criticism for <laughs> the way he looks at times in the ring and um, the way he's looked prior, like against guys like uh, Gerald Washington, um, you know. But he's he, he still has you know that powerful right hand that you just can't look past. So, you know, this is gonna be um, this is gonna be an interesting fight. Um, you know, as, as as flawed as Deontay Wilder is, I don't think he has much of an issue and much of a problem with uh, beating Lu uh, an older Luis Ortiz who, you know, who doesn't, you know, cut off the ring very well. Um, you know, he's he's slow. He's a very good counter puncher and he does have some power, you know, that, that shows with his um, 28 fights and 24 knockouts that he has. Uh, but I think Wilder is, you know, just younger. Um, he's longer reach, taller fighter. Um, probably, and, and I think he's he's definitely more powerful than Luis Ortiz, and I think he'll just be able to outbox Ortiz for 12 rounds. Um, if he gets a knockout, then you know it, it probably wouldn't surprise me that much because we all know what type of power Deontay Wilder has. But I just don't see Luis Ortiz being able to um, to catch up to Wilder enough to win seven rounds if the fight goes the distance. I, I see this fight looking a lot like the first time around um, when Deontay Wilder fought Bermain Stavern. You know, uh, Wilder was more cautious in that, fir in, in that first fight. You know, he was outboxing Stavern. He was trying to get hit. And he, he did the, you know, he did enough to, to win that fight. You know, he, Stavern was, you know, had cement feet. You know, he couldn't catch him, couldn't cut off the ring and uh, was just simply uh, outboxed by Wilder. And I think this is the type of fight that you're going to see uh, this Saturday night against Luis Ortiz. Um, I doubt both of these guys are going to be slugging slugging it together. You know, Wilder knows that Ortiz is a dangerous enough fighter to to stay, you know, and smarter th than just to stay in the pocket, you know, to just trade. If he doesn't have to trade with Luis Ortiz, uh, then he shouldn't. So I'm picking a unanimous decision for Deontay Wilder in that fight. In the co-main event, you have Andre Durrell versus Jose Uzcataki. And they this is a rematch for Durrell's IBF interim super middleweight title. Um, the first time around ended um, pretty poorly. Um, Uzcataki wound up hitting Durrell uh, after the bell. And in my opinion, wasn't intentional. Um, I think it was just a punch that was, you know, that he was throwing as the bell had rung and it landed on Durrell. And we all know what happened there. Andre Durrell's uncle came out of the ring and uh, sucker punched uh, Uskataki twice, and which was completely uncalled for. And <laughs> after that, it was, it was known to us that he had a warrant for his arrest for uh, battery. But 
Nevertheless, um, we'll, we'll see what Andre Dorrell has in this in this rematch. Uh, he's definitely going to have to, you know, out outbox Uskataki a lot better. You know, stay on the outside and you know try to, you know, try to just not get caught with anything. You know, um, in my opinion, I, I think that was that was still a legal blow that Uskataki had. Um, if not legal, then you know. Darrell should have had time to, you know, recover um, after that punch that he got hit. But, you know, nevertheless, we'll see what happens in this, in this, um, in this rematch. And then after that, you have Sergey Dervichenko uh, staying busy and he fights Deshaun Johnson in an eight-round uh, middleweight fight. I think that's a solid fight. Good to see uh, Lou DiBello keeping Sergey Dervichenko uh, busy. Something that he needs to do. So um, so that way he can get ready for the top middleweights uh, in the division. Uh, Gary Antoine Russell will still be um, on the undercard as well. It won't be televised on Showtime, but and I don't think the Sergey Derevchenko uh, fight will be televised either by Showtime. Uh, but good to see these two guys, um, uh, you know, busy so that way they can you know, uh, you know, continue being busy and you know stay fresh in the, in in the ring. Going to the HBO card in the Madison Square Garden Theater. This is uh, promoted by Main Events. You have Sergei Kovalev fighting Igor Mikalkin. I think that's how you spell his name. Uh, 12 rounds for Kovalev's WBO lightweight heavyweight title. Um, this is, um, is going to be a fight. Really, just for Kovalev to stay busy, you know. Um, I don't really blame main events too much for this main event. Um, you know, it, it's not uh, a compelling and an, an exciting main event, but certainly, um, you know, Sergey Kovalev, you know, had the opportunity to fight Sullivan Barrera, and main events gave Sullivan Barrera, uh, Sullivan Barrera more money um, than the Dimitri Bivol fight. Uh, to fight Kovalev, but so, uh, Sullivan Barrera turned it down in hopes that he could win the belt, the WBA belt, and then get even more money to try to unify against Kovalev, which is a um, a risky move by Barrera, but we'll talk more about that as soon as after this, um, after I talk about this Kovalev fight. Um, I, I still rank Kovalev at the top of the, at the, at the top of the division. Um, I think he deserves, you know, to be still, you know, top two uh, ranked up there in the light heavyweight division. You know, I know he looked really bad in his last fight against Andre Ward when he um, when he got stopped by the by the body punches and some low blows that Andre Ward gave him. Uh, nevertheless, you know, I still gave him that first fight against Andre Ward, and uh, so. You know, he looked, uh, Kovalev looked good after that Andre Ward fight, you know. Um, but it, it's just going to be up to him to continue, you know, uh, staying in shape and, and, and being ready for, you know, a top fighter. Uh, so now we have Dimitri Bivo and Sullivan Barrera in the co-main event. Uh, I think this is really, that should be the main event. Um, this is a really competitive fight. Um, I am favoring Dimitri Bivol to beat um, Sullivan Barrera. And, you know, I just think, you know, Bivol just is, his amateur background and, and his, technic his technicality 
is going to be too much for uh, for Barrera. You know, Barrera is, is is a dangerous fighter, no doubt. You know, he he lost to Andre Ward convincingly, but you know that's again that's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, Sullivan Barrera was never really viewed as a top light heavyweight fighter, anyways, to, to begin with. You know, this fight for Dimitri Bivol is more so to you know continue to prove that he belongs to be in the discussion as one of the best light heavyweights in in the world. So it's you know it's not just it's not gonna be just how if he can beat Sullivan Barrera, but how he beats Sullivan Barrera as well is, you know, gonna be talked about. So, you know, knockouts knockouts matter and um how you win matter. Um you know to be considered one of the best. You know, Sergey Kovalev and Adana Stevenson, you know, were considered the best few years back, you know, it's a shame that they could, they never were able to fight, but, you know, they were considered easily the best because, you know, they were beating their opponents quite handedly. Um, and Dimitri, this is something that Dimitri Bivol is going to wind up going to have to do is, is, um, you know, make a, an emphatic statement, um, when beating Sullivan Barrera. In... A non-televised uh, card for the rest of the uh, card. You're gonna have um, Von Alexander, someone um, that main event promotes and someone that they're pretty high on. So you know he's fighting a ten rounder against Carlos Gongora uh, in the middleweight division. Uh, it's good to see that Von, uh, Von Alexander is staying busy. It'll be interesting to see you know Alexander continue to move up, and this is uh, Devin's brother. Devin Alexander's brother, um, you know, see Vaughn move up and see what he has. Um, you know, I'm not 100% sold on him yet. I, I need to see him with a live body first to, you know, to really be able to evaluate what, what kind of fighter he is. Um, but no doubt, you know, he's, you know, I think he's he's a, a legitimate fighter. And hopefully by next, by the end of next year, 2019, we'll see him contending for um, a belt in the division. Going over to Sheffield, England, uh, Kel Brook is returning after suffering two consecutive losses to Gennady Golovkin and Errol Spence. Um, that fight against Errol Spence was a really good fight. You know, I had him outboxing uh, and, and, and outworking Spence in the early rounds in that fight until Spence was just Spence, you know, just ha hammering to the body and, um, coming back and, 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 you know, making Kelbrook work and, and outworking Kelbrook towards the end of the fight and wind up knocking him out. So, uh, Kelbrook will move up to junior middleweight for this fight. He's fighting Sergey Rabchenko in a 12-round fight. And, you know, I think this is, this is good for Kelbrook. He needs, you know, he needs rounds and, uh, he needs to take it easy, you know, a bit after suffering two broken orbital bones and both his eyes against the uh, Triple G fight against and against the Errol Spence fight. So, you know, uh, Eddie Hearn needs to move him slowly in this uh, junior middleweight division. Um, Eddie Hearn made it very clear that Kell Brook, you know, was killing himself to move, uh, you know, to make 147 pounds. So moving to 154 pounds is, is probably the best thing for his career. Uh, maybe he can have more energy and... Um, and more stamina and more power coming into uh, the junior middleweight division. Alright, so that pretty much uh, wraps up the fights coming up this weekend.
Um, I'll try to see if I can come back on Sunday to um, start previewing uh, uh, the fights uh, that Top Rank will, uh, will have um, in Carson, California with Oscar, Vidal's, uh, Oscar Valdez and Scott Quigg. And um, for on Showtime for Sergey Lipnitz and Mikey Garcia. Uh, but until then, goodbye, everybody.